This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 392, recorded on February 28th, 2019. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation all through the Average Tech Guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the Average Guy TV studios. And Mike, what I think, like, I don't think the snow is ever going to leave. Like, there's no way it can. I looked at the 10-day forecast, and I don't think we get above freezing in the next 10 days at all. Like, not even close. Yeah, it's March, right? I'm yeah. checking. Hold on. Let me check the calendar. Yeah, it's still, it's March. Well, it's not. My coworker and I were talking. She had her memory pop up on Facebook, and I think last year or two years ago, she was... Uh, it was 70 degrees, and she was with our kids at the park, know, right, at this I time. Know. I could be smoking and, cigars on the deck. like, yeah. But my deck has like eight in, eight or nine inches of snow on it right now. I didn't even yeah. clear it. I didn't even bother clearing it. Same. Yeah, my back, yeah. I didn't I didn't end up clearing. But I think we're supposed to get maybe even a little more this weekend, and that's just going to pile on. We have no place to put the snow that we're getting because no. it's not melting off in between dumps we're getting. I know. It just stays cold. Usually, yep. it's, it's warmer this time of year. Of course... We'll uh, we'll post this show with a few show notes out at theaverageguy.tv. You want to check that out as well. It's it's probably where you're at is probably. Well, no, a lot of guys have been saying, a lot of guys and maybe a few gals have been saying to me they've been getting, they're in this Midwestern belt that's been getting all this snow. And so I you know, I shouldn't complain when it's July and it's a million freaking degrees here, you know, right. and we're just complaining about that. Um, uh, I'll remember. I'll remember these days. Hey, don't forget, you can get the Home Gadget Geeks mobile app available for you, Android, iPhone, head out there. Easiest way to listen to it on the road. Actually, Fridays are my day to listen to this show from the week before. So I always, Friday morning, I pop into my own app, hit it just to make sure I listen to the first part. I don't always get all the way through it because it's a long show. But uh, I just kind of listen to the intro. How do we sound? How are things going? You can do that as well. I do it on my way in to work is what I do. You can do that as well. Have it, stream it, make sure you can get it mobile. You could be listening live. I hope I did that right. You could be listening live right now on the mobile app if you were traveling. HomeGadgetGeeks.com and just download it. It's absolutely free. We want to thank those who sponsor us on Patreon. And, man, you guys are rock stars, by the way, Patreon subscribers. No one, I mean, I, I've just had the same 15 folks forever, and you guys just don't ever give up. So thanks for doing that. Appreciate it. It helps us uh, keep doing what we do here. Appreciate your support of the show um, as well. Big thanks to Dwayne from last week. Dwayne Robinson came on, talked a little bit about his setup and his home automation. I uh, got some feedback. Folks wanted to hear about that Tesla a little bit more. No surprise. We'll get Dwayne back with his Tesla. He did say, I think in the post show or something, maybe right at the end of the show, loves that car. Like, I think he said, Mike. That, that he can't get his wife to stop driving it. Like right. They fight, I think they they fight over about it. their second car getting another Tesla. They yeah. considered it. Yeah. So they love it. Well, it's it's a little tough. Like the hard part about when we had Paul Breer on the show and we were talking about his Tesla, you got to order that stuff like a 10 years in advance and yeah. put money down on it. And what do, what do you think? Are, you shows ago, you talked about a truck. Yeah. That, right. I mean, given a choice, Mike, with with a vehicle like that, are you going Tesla? Are you looking at something else? I mean, just say money was you, you and I both drive ancient cars. Like you, right. I've yeah. been driving mine for that's an 06, so 13 years. You've had yours for so 09, so coming on 10 years now. Yeah. So we both been doing that. Would you, does that, is that enticing at all? Would you go with a Tesla? Dan and I just had this conversation. If if we're going electric, for sure, going Tesla. I think you got to. St- I think right now they're the leader. So if I'm ordering electric today, we were talking about the problems though that you would have. We were driving actually the day after we got the snowstorm. We drove down to Kansas City, and the roads were still terrible till we got about halfway where they had gotten rain but no snow. And we talked about okay, so like if we had a Tesla, first of all, it'd be a no go, right? Like there's no way it would do this well because we take my wife's car. She's got the newer car. She's got a Chevy Traverse, all wheel drive. That thing is a beast in the snow i mean i i think that thing could outperform some of the trucks you see it does fantastic never have any problems can get anywhere and uh we were talking about those problems so number one range right which range isn't becoming as big of an issue now those batteries are getting bigger but just in omaha in the midwest we get a bunch of snow and i don't know how those things perform i haven't driven them to be honest but i can't imagine they do too well and then i don't know what i wanted to research was how the batteries actually do in this type of weather so when we're in this sub freezing uh, for months on end, 
how do those batteries hold up? You know, if you have them parked at work and they're sitting out in the cold, does that affect it? I don't know. So for me, uh, and also, you know, we spend a lot of time at the farm and, uh, I think right now though, I'm still going with a gas truck. I think that's, the, if I had to buy today, that's what I would be going with four wheel drive, but that's just because of my needs. Um, if ideally we will in the future have our gas four wheel drive, get us anywhere, long distance car, and then we will have our commuter, uh, little Tesla, right? So you have both options. If we need to go on the road, if we need to do something where we need that four wheel drive, hop in that car. If we, if, you know, when we're just commuting, it makes no sense to waste gas, especially for what I do every day. My Jeep really just goes from home to work, which is five minutes away. It's about to be three minutes away when we get our new building built uh, and then back. So that could easily, that would be a great use for a Tesla, just the back and forth right there. Yeah. Well, and, and I think Dwayne said it handles pretty well in the snow. And so, okay. so maybe it's, maybe it's better than I it's thought. Heavy. It's they're heavy, right? Because yeah. of the batteries. So they're pretty heavy. Are they all wheel drive? I think some of them are. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, well, I see a huge difference between my Honda and my wife's Subaru. You know, she has an Outback and that's all wheel drive. It's a great car. It's going to be my next car uh, for sure. And, um, and I, man, I just, I love, I get in the, I get in the Honda. We go through four or five, six inches of snow. It's not great. Spinning everywhere. It's just not great. I get in mm-hmm. the Subaru. It's just amazing. It just does amazingly well. One of the things, the eyesight, right? The technology that keeps you on the road, all those things. Of course, none of that works during a snowstorm. So, you know, you're you're thinking about all that safety technology and a Tesla, some of those kinds of things. You're not going to use any of that stuff during a storm. It just doesn't. Yeah. You can't see the road. The lines aren't there, especially see, oh, in that, the blizzard that, that we got. That was the other part of the conversation we were having was the automatic driving. How the, the snow was covered. I mean, the, yeah. the interstate was covered. There's no way that car would have been able to be autonomous at that point. Yeah. And you uh, wouldn't, so it, you wouldn't want better. it to be, right? No. I don't but, think we expect that. The one other thing, too, just to mention, I think a lot of people like me kind of forget if you are slipping a lot around in the snow, think about the last time you replaced your tires. I just so the, I got through the first two snowstorms this year in my Jeep, and I'm I could not get anywhere. I think actually, Jim, I came to the poker party and I could not get up the hill in that cul de sac because and you know, I hadn't thought about it right. I'm you have these tires that are good for 50, 70,000 miles, that's just enough that you just for you don't think about it all the time, you kind of forget. Um, I went out the day after that poker party, Jim, and I got brand new tires, it is like a whole new car. I'm like, oh my, this is, and he's like, dude, you were, you were pretty bald because I'm surprised you even made it here. So, uh, think about those tires. Sometimes that can be an easy fix. I mean, not a cheap fix, but an easy fix. No, they're, they've gotten really expensive. They are. And, uh, but, but you're right. A new set will get you all kinds of control on the car. Yeah. Especially if you are running pretty low on your tread. Yeah. And if you yeah. don't have four wheel drive, it's it, then that is a game changer. Well, and the treads can make a difference and, you know, depending on the climate and what you're doing and the width and, you know, what, what kind of control you get. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, certainly I, I get, you know, my Honda is the short commute every day, just does its thing. One of the things, you know, when it's been so cold, you know, zero and below in the mornings, you know, I, I warm it up for about 10 minutes. So, you know, you're burning a lot more gas. I really wish I had a second garage. That's one of the reasons we're moving is to get that second garage space. I don't oh, know that why. thing's parked outside. Huh? Oh, it is parked That's outside. Rough. Oh, it's ridiculous. Especially it's just it's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, it's um, that was one of the one of the comments that came up uh, a little bit in the chat room and, and through the week, how Dwayne was doing with his uh, with that car. And uh, he likes it. He likes it a lot. So, yeah, I think he mentioned at the end of the show there, the Jaguar is, yeah, that's a pretty nice car all by itself. Not a great winter car. Let's just be, yeah. let's just be honest. Not a great winter that's car. That's your summer things, car. Things may change as we go. Uh, Mike, this week, uh, I think we've seen, or most people have seen, Samsung has kind of come out with their foldable phone. There's been some rumors uh, out there for a while that this was going to be a thing. Uh, Microsoft has been working on a foldable device for the last three, four, five years, uh, it seems. Uh, there's been a lot of chatter about that. They have yet to release something. Um, took a look at, certainly those aren't on the market yet, but I took a look at some of the videos that they had available. Um, you know, I've been super skeptical of the foldable phone, but after I watched the video, I was kind of like, man, you open that thing up and it's beautiful. So I know. What do you think? Yeah. So my thoughts here are, I think the price point tells us a lot. 
these things are coming in at right at two grand for the cheapest one, maybe just a slightly under two grand. And I think at that price point, you they are looking for essentially around a beta testers. <laughs> when you are buying this phone, you are essentially beta testing it. So you're they're not pricing it for the masses because I, I think the outrage uh, for all for the flaws we're going to find. Because I think you're going to find quite a few flaws. Uh, I don't know how well these are, things are going to hold up over time. And I think that that, like anything, right, you fold it enough times, that crease that starts to wear on it. And I think they're going to have some growing pains. Not that this isn't something that's going to be extremely successful in the future, but these things are also super thick. Uh, and what I want to see is battery life on how this works. I know there's a battery on each side, which makes it a little bit thicker. So does that give you extra battery life or does it need that much power to power the dual, essentially two screens, right? Uh, the size of two screens. I know it's one all connected. So there's, there's some things here that I'm really excited about and I think could be really good for the future. What I'm excited for is when these things get thinner and uh, more durable. So I'm gonna say I, I don't think I will go for a foldable phone for the next few years, especially because I don't I don't need something that big. I you know I'm actually of the mindset that I could go smaller instead of bigger. And if I need a bigger device, I have an iPad. Um, but honestly, even my iPad, it has its use case for me in the office. Right? It's a it's a really portable device that's bigger than my phone. Doesn't require me to undock my laptop and everything like that. So I, I use my iPad for that. But even outside of work, I don't find myself using my iPad very often. I'm either using my phone 90% of the time, or I come down here and I hop on the computer, or I use the laptop if I need a full computer experience. So a bigger screen on a phone, uh, we'll have to see how it's utilized. Yeah. I, I'll be very interested to see if Apple starts to get into this game. Uh, I, I don't think they will for the near future. Um, I, so... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what market this fits in, right? I, so they did raise an interesting point, though. In some of the articles I was reading was the China uh, Chinese market could be a great market for this because in China, the majority of people have one device. Their mobile device is their full-time computer. So if you gave them something that was this mobile, bigger screen, this is their computer. They don't have the laptop that you can flip up, the majority of them. They don't have the, you know, that's just not the way, just space, right? Space in China, it's all consolidated. Their, their culture uses the mobile phone as their main compute device. So I think it could have a bigger impact over there. I don't think in the US market, we have as much of a need for it right away. So it'll be very interesting to see sales numbers. They're being released in April. And like I said, price point, you know, right at two grand. So this is going to be probably your, um, your tech enthusiasts that are going to grab these phones. We're starting to see some exhaustion on the phone, I think, here in the United States of people paying $900, $1,000, $1,200 for a phone. We're starting to hear rumors, and we're seeing this in Apple stock price, of uh, some warnings that oh, we're probably not going to sell as many phones, and Americans are holding on to them a little bit longer. It doesn't take but one or two cycles of people holding on to their phone for three years instead of two to completely throw off the phone market, right? I mean, right. they're so dependent on those those changeovers. And so it's tough. This is a little bit like selling Hummers into the market when gas was $4.50, $5 a gallon, you know, three, four, five years ago, whenever that was. And, you know, um, the gas, the, 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 the market before it had been monster trucks and car, you know, big vehicles and gas was cheap. And then, of course, we had a big run up on that. I think we're seeing uh, something similar in the phone market, especially here in the United States. There's just a little bit of exhaustion of like, I don't know, my, like my phone's good enough. I, I look at my uh, at my eight. In fact, for a second, I had to think what it was. I was like, what is yeah. this phone? I don't even think about it anymore. For my iPhone eight, I have no incentive to go to 10. This thing is a great phone. Yeah. And to be honest, like as long as it lasts, it's the size I want. I get the battery life that I want. It does really well in every circumstance. It's super fast. Assuming Apple doesn't do its thing to try and slow it down with previous upgrades. My, my daughter won't even put new upgrades on it. She's so afraid. Like she's so afraid of them doing or at least what we think they've done in the past. I think and this... Yeah, sure. I think no, to ahead. that point, I think this could be very similar to 3D TVs. TVs were getting, you know, when 1080p was a thing, everyone had 1080p and there was no incentive to go out and buy a new TV. So TV makers needed to have some new marketing trick, some new thing to sell TVs. And we saw 3D come in and just kind of fizzle out, right? Before we had 4K. So now 4K is, okay, 
some people are saying that's a good enough reason to upgrade and the fact that 4K TVs have come down in price so much now that they're more affordable. So not to say that this technology won't go forward, and I'm not trying to relate it to 3D in the sense of it's going to fizzle out as fast as 3D did because 3D didn't go anywhere. Uh, but I think it's the same sort of thing. It's trying to kickstart the phone market. I'm not sure if it's going to be the thing that makes everyone go out and get a new phone, though. Yeah, not not at those prices. No. This new Samsung 7.3-inch Infinity Flex display is what they're calling it. Allows the phone to have a tablet-sized screen that can be folded into your pocket. I am surprised at how smooth that fold open is. They are saying um, that you could open a it's, – it's rated to go – where did I see that stat? They had tested this to go – uh, at least 200,000 times. So the phone was okay, is rated to be open 200,000 times before any degradation to the to the screen, which is about 100 times a day for five years. Okay, so all of a sudden you start going, Mike, to your point, you opened with kind of like, yikes, the screen? You know, I don't know. They're thinking about it. Who knows? We haven't really seen it work. My, my worry, you know, it's just not the fold. It's the dirt and the dust that gets inside that and then gets yep. compressed as you're opening and closing it. Uh, in a test environment, you know, that doesn't really account for that. My wallet collects an enormous amount of dust just by sitting in my pocket, right? And I pull my credit cards out and they're kind of dirty. And you're like, where did this come from? Oh, it came from your pocket. The same pocket I store my phone in. There is no doubt this thing, as I carry it around, when I take the cover off, there's dirt and dust and grime behind it. That's only in a moving hinge like that. That only causes more friction, not less. Right. So it'll be interesting to see uh, where that goes. Here's what's really funny, Mike. So last week in the show, we did a little back in time, and we went back and we we, we went, how far could we go back? Was that in the post show that we did that? I think How so. far could we go back in the video? Yeah. And in one of the videos, one of the early videos, I think early with you, we were talking about uh, the Amazon devices that had just come out right? These new Echo devices from Amazon, right? I'm sorry. I just, I just called my, I just, sorry. I don't know that one. Yeah, she doesn't. In, oh, I was super skeptical of this whole voice, you know, AI thing coming out again. This was like four years ago. I wonder if I'll have the same, you know, four years from now, if we'll look back and say, oh yeah, here was the, here's the show where we talked about the foldable phones and now they're mainstream, right? I, I, I'm sure we will. I'm sure yeah. we will. Because Tony has a good point. Samsung's not the only player in this game. Huawei, uh, their Mate X also looks really nice. And to his point, it looks even better than the Galaxy Fold. And I would agree. I looked at that Huawei device and it looks pretty nice. Mm. So I think there's a few players here and we'll see as they start to go. Uh, you know, yep. it took Amazon a while to even get the Echo up and going, right? So, uh, yeah, I, I could see it taking off a little bit, but I have no need for it. I'm no, not, I'm not, no. It wasn't as exciting to me. The front has a smaller 4.6-inch HD+. Plus, that's 12 by 9. Um, Samsung is using a, uh, about a half a terabyte of universal flash storage, 3.0, for fast speeds alongside a Qualcomm 7 nanometer octa-core processor and 12 gig of RAM. It's so funny. Like, this phone has more, like, PCs from four or five years ago. Like, this has more... I mean, 12 gig of RAM, you could run a VM off that thing. So, yep. <laughs> you know, um, two batteries, uh, one on either side and then separated by the fold. And then Android uh, accounts for that. Not as much battery, 400 or 4,380 mAh, whatever that is. I always want to say milliamp hours, but that's not what it stands for. Um, you know, Energizer came out with a phone this week that is Android based that has a 16,000 a milliamp or whatever we call it battery It's basically a battery brick that has a phone on it. And uh, those guys, Paul and Kyle were reviewing that one as well. I was watching that. And I thought that's interesting. A battery company came up with a phone. That's a huge brick, right? Huge brick of but battery. Hey, you get a bunch of battery life. Well, you do. And I think they're talking like you can get 50 continuous hours of video with 200 hours of standby. So could you imagine uh, it's two days, right? 50 hours is two days of continuous just, video. Yeah. yeah. I think, so for me though, Jim, I think the next big wave of mobile phones that I'm looking for is when I get to work, I pull my laptop out of my bag and I plug it into the dock and I pull my phone out and I put it on, on like the stand that has charger. The moment that this phone is now replaces that laptop and I dock it when I get to work and it 
it's my, you know, it's just, that's what my laptop's doing. My laptop just sits there and it plugs into it. It's just the compute device, right? So as soon as these phones can be that compute device and give me my two monitors and run everything and then just pick it up, go, and this is the computer. And I honestly don't think we're too far off from that. It's uh, the hard part for me is that it's probably not going to be Apple. They are historically terrible. I mean, the fact that they can't even get iOS on the iPad to be at all similar to their Mac OS, it just, it's baffling. They're, they have this super powerful, I mean, the iPad could be that device. Yeah. Uh, the iPad has so much power and yet it's so limited by the archaic iOS system that they have to put on it. Mm-hmm. And so... It, I, it'll be someone else that does it first. And I know they've tried it, right? This has been tried in the past. They're trying to make this like the dockable computer, but yeah. someone's going to do it right. And, and that'll be the game changer for me. You know, what's scary is that could be Microsoft. Like that is crazy as that sounds. Right. I fully agree. That could be their next wave. That could be their comeback into it. And I think it would be huge, especially because in the corporate sector that, I mean, you are, we're all using windows. Yeah, and it would be huge if we had that phone that essentially yeah. just did that. I think they had that whole that they held the whole phone iOS, or I mean the whole phone OS there. They're available. They've scuttled it. It's it's there though. They have been now working with ARM processors and getting Windows 10 to work on ARM. They have been partnering with everyone uh, that they that they can on this. They have been setting up their Azure infrastructure to be able to handle heavy compute. So the phone really becomes the edge device everything else gets sent to Azure to get processed, right? All the heavy processing goes to the cloud. Um, They've been on the forefront of all those things. They are also rumored to have a foldable device of some kind. Um, They understand the desktop. We weren't far from that whole idea, continuum is what it was called in its day, of being able to take your device in. Think about the kangaroo devices that were kind of going that way where you could unplug it, take it, plug it in. It wasn't a phone, but like, we weren't far from having a lot of those things working. And behind the scenes, they could be doing all these things without necessarily the scrutiny of the public and one day bust this thing out where it's a foldable, powerful. I mean, look how powerful this 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 Galaxy. Right. And, and That's what I mean. The power's yeah. already there. We're not limited by the hardware anymore. And uh, people in the chat are mentioning that you know, Tony says Samsung Dex and uh, Ken said Google Pixel. So I recognize, you know, these companies are already doing this, but the, the problem is here, they're a little too ahead of the game. And I think what's going to be the game changer is the first time. And I think Windows really has to be, or someone that they, they partner with, it has to have the Windows operating system when you plug it in. And because all it takes is a few corporations then, okay, it's going to fit right into our ecosystem. We don't need to change anything. It's Windows. Sure. If you want this device to be your laptop, we'll give it to you because we don't have to do anything. And obviously, smaller companies who are more agile startups, they can use some of the Android-based or whatever operating system that comes on those phones. But as soon, if Windows does it, that then IT departments of corporations, because really that's where you want to see this happen, mm-hmm. um, is in corporate America because that will then trigger, I think, the rest the rest will follow from there i just don't think it's been a starter uh we've seen like like we've talked about we've seen this before and they're they're demoing it but it has not taken off yet and you know for my it department i need them we do have a mixed system some got people run mac uh depending on what they're doing but for the majority we are windows and we if that was out it would be amazing Yeah, and uh, they're saying in the chat room, Justin, Joe, they're saying, you know, it's been done. Yeah, totally. It's been done, um, but it hasn't really been adopted. Nobody's gotten this idea of a mobile slash, you know, desktop uh, combo um, right. And uh, and I don't think we're too far from it. I, I think someone's going to make that break breakthrough, whether it's because there's no mainstream solution for that. Like nobody's doing that mainstream. There, right. there could be some options here and there, but no, nobody's doing that mainstream. So I think it's interesting. I think maybe five years from now, Mike, I think we may, if we look back four years, four or five years from now, with this conversation here, February 28th, 2019. So let, let's just say, you know, after the first of the year, 2024, 2023, Uh, come back to this show and say, this is the beginning of the foldable, some of the mainstream foldable concepts. Where has it gone? It could totally flop, by the way. This thing could just not, like, they could push all these phones out and the public kind of goes, I don't really know if I want to spend 
an extra 500 bucks so this thing can fold and break on me. Boy, that thing better not have quality problems out the gate because if it does, nobody will trust that at all. And, uh, and we could have some problems. So, um, some cool stuff ahead. Mike, you got an opportunity. I see this advertisement all the time on YouTube now from Monday.com. Hey, and we're it done, looked, me, Jim. <laughs> it looks a little hokey. But it does. You, you gave it a try. Seriously? Yeah. So, okay. So, let me give the backstory here. Uh, our legal department grew rapidly. Our company had historically used outside counsel uh, for a lot of their items. And then they obviously wanted to bring that all in-house as much as possible as our company is seeing just an insane amount of growth. Uh, So we went from our corporate counsel, they hired our corporate counsel uh, not too long ago, our head of the legal department, and she quickly hired um, her team, right? So I'm, I'm part of that team now. So we have three attorneys, one paralegal, and growing from here. So we, and that was rapid. So we went from no team to just our general counsel. So it was just her to a team. And what we found was over the past six months uh, to a year. So I just celebrated my first year there is that with the team growing so big, we never really found a good groove for tracking projects, tracking tasks, all of that. When you think of a legal department, you got to realize that we are uh, in, in lawyers hate this term. So I, I'm going to use it lightly as order takers, right? We're essentially, we don't generate work. Work comes our way. Uh, they say, hey, we need an agreement drafted for this. Can you please review this contract? We're thinking about doing this uh, deal. Can you help us with deal structure? So work comes to us. And we, you know, really before this, it was extremely hard to track. We do have an, an inbox, right? An, an email inbox. So we did consolidate so that all requests come and are filtered to one location that we all have access to. But tracking that, we just, we net, we tried a million different things. So we tried using different tags in Outlook, right? Tag it to Mike. So what happens is it comes into our paralegal and she assigns that to one of the attorneys in the group. And, but figuring out who is in charge of what, we had these email chains of, hey, okay, I'm assigning this one to you. And, but I don't know then, you know, did that get assigned to the other attorney? Is that mine? What's the due date? Everything. So we went through a few iterations and we tried to use SharePoint actually. So SharePoint is what we use for our homepage throughout the entire company. And it works great for that. And they tried assigning, essentially creating a page on the SharePoint for each team. And you could put in there whatever you wanted. So we had lists for tasks and we tried really hard to do it there. So at least everyone could see it. So we got down the path of everyone being able to see the tasks. And for a while that was okay. And what we did like about it was there was visibility from the entire team on what everyone was doing. And we do a daily, a quick daily huddle. And we go over all the tasks just to give an update where we're at, make sure all new tasks are assigned. Uh, But that quickly became just a mess uh, with that task list, not the way to go. So then what we did was we moved to an Excel based system where our paralegal kept uh, basically a task list and a project list in an Excel spreadsheet out on the drive, uh, on the legal drive. So we did a whole lot of access to it, but updating it and constantly tracking it was pretty difficult still. It got better with that. Uh, we had one source of truth to go to with the tasks and our paralegal did a fantastic job of keeping that up to date. But again, there was limitations there. So we have that. The other side of the coin was we needed to start tracking metrics. When you start to get a team this big, you really need to start tracking your metrics to know how much time are these taking us? Who's requesting our, our time the most? What, how long is it taking us to do these requests per department? Uh, finance send us a request and marketing sends us a request. But man, these finance ones take us way longer because they, you know, they're just more in depth. Those are the kind of metrics, who's working on what. That was what we really needed to start tracking. And so in my mind, I thought, okay, we need to track all of our tasks. We need some metrics. We really need a system here. And uh, I, uh, IT project managers, close your ears, because what, <laughs> what I decided to do was I'm like, you know, I could put in a request to a project manager. I could put in a request to IT saying we need a system. And we're going to have to go through, you know, two months of due diligence, picking out a system, then implementation, then cost. And we were going to be a year out before we had anything. And who knew if it was actually what we wanted to do. So just like you, Jim, I had seen advertisements from Monday.com on YouTube all the time. And finally, I was like, you know what? I was, it was last weekend. I'm like, I'm just going to sign up for a free trial and just play around and see if it's something that would really work. 
so I'll, I'll tell you the conclusion. The conclusion is that money.com is phenomenal. Uh, absolutely phenomenal. And I'll kind of tell you generally what we use it for. So if you go to monday.com now, I wish I could screen share. I can't show you ours though, just because there's some a lot of confidential information there. Yeah, no, that would be advisable. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're not good. I won't show you all of, uh, all of our legal tasks, but I'm, I'm looking at mine just so I make sure I cover all the bases here. So it, what it does, if you go to money.com, they actually have some really good videos that show you what it is. But imagine a an Excel spreadsheet slash database. So imagine a database uh, that has an extremely elegant, easy to use GUI for tech people and non-tech people. Anyone can figure out how to use this. Um, we have our department, our head counsel. She's actually, she, she's fairly tech savvy, but she admits that, you know, she doesn't, you know, it takes her a while to get used to new stuff. And she picked this up in a day, loves it. So, so it's a database and you create what they call boards. And if you think of each board as its own Excel spreadsheet that you would use to track something. So for example, we have a board for all of our contract reviews. Anything that comes in that needs contract drafting or contract review comes to this board and you can put it in there. Great part about it, you can also create forms. So you can create a form, put it out on the website. People can go just fill out the form and it automatically creates a new item, line item in your in your board. So essentially what they did was they took a database and specifically made it for tracking and project management. I really call it a great project management tool. And that's really what it is. And all the items you can track here, I mean, you can do, uh, you know, obviously the simple stuff, due dates, date received. Um, You can assign it to certain people in the system so it knows the users. And so what happens here is someone fills out the form for the request form, it comes into the system. And and so I can can be on money.com and I can see it right away. That's no problem. But then what happens is our paralegal then will go and assign that to someone. So she'll click in the assign to category. She clicks on my picture and then I get a notification that something's been assigned to me. Fantastic. And our favorite part about it is that each line item has a section that is almost, think of it like a, like a news feed. So you click in there and anyone can go in and add updates for each line item. So if I'm working on the contract, I can say, oh, yep, I reviewed the contract for Jim and I have this issue and I click at Mandy. Uh, who's the other attorney? Can you help with this part of it? I need some help. And it sends her notification that she's been alerted and she can go in there, view it. Everything is there and tracked. And there's a full audit trail for anytime anyone changes anything. And the best part too, is that there's there's these things they called status columns. So it's a, it's a column where you can set specific statuses to something where it's like, you know, started working on it, I'm stuck or it's completed. Very automated, uh, extremely, like I said, easy to use. And our favorite part too, is that there's time tracking built into each line item. So if I go to start working on a contract, I simply go in, I click the start button, it starts tracking my time, work, 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 click stop. You can also go in and add, add it in manually. If you don't want to use the just the start stop, you can add in manual time entries. So it starts to track that time. Well, what this allows you to do really, so you have a full database of all of your tasks. And contract review is just an example. We do this for everything. For my mergers and acquisitions, all of our active deals, I have my own board there. Uh, we do it for, we even have a simple huddle. We call it our huddle board. So every day when we do our huddle, if you have something you need to talk about in that huddle, just go throw it on the board so we don't forget. And then what we do is we open up this board. Here's all of our huddle items. And as we talk about them, we just knock them off and, and we're good to go. Uh, but really the benefit to this we, my, my boss was okay. That had her kind of right. Like she was okay. This is awesome. Like we can track all our projects. That's really cool. But one of her big items was the metrics and she was trying to figure out a way to track our metrics. So you have what's called dashboards as well. So you can create a dashboard that based off of all of the boards you have. So the boards, think of them again, as your Excel spreadsheets, you can go in and create a dashboard and you can do all sorts of metrics. So we, for example, we track our average contract turnaround time. So we say, hey, when did this, when did that line item come in? And then what date did we say we sent it? And start to give us an average of how long it's taking us to turn around these contracts. You can do average time spent because it's a time tracker. So you can say, how long on average are these taking us? And each one of those, you can filter and drill down into, okay, for the finance items, how long are those taking us? And you can really get these really advanced metrics on everything that you've done, but metrics that didn't require you to do anything extra, right? So when you were in that board, all it's looking at is the date received. It's nothing more we had to do. And these metrics are automatic. And this dashboard updates in live 
uh, in real time. So technically, we've we've joked we want to get a big, huge TV in our department, put up the dashboard. So as we're all working and tracking time, those numbers are changing real time. So we can try and get that average turnaround time to the perfect score of one. You know, right? Same day turnaround, one day would be perfect score. So as we're working, man, man, okay, oh man, it just went up. Like who's taking two days, right? Like get your get your turnaround time down really cool metrics on there. And then as you know, the way that they display it is also just very fresh and clean. It does not remind you of a traditional project management. It's fun. Uh, you know, so on our dashboard, we also have a, one little tile, uh, each week someone takes a turn and updates it with their favorite Spotify playlist. So it's a little tile shows playlist. So it's kind of a team building where, so now I can go in and see what, you know, my boss actually, this was her week. So she went in and put in a playlist, uh, we have a countdown for when our, we call them rocks, our goals are due. So, hey, you know, you have 30 days, two hours, 17 minutes until your goals are due. And on the dashboard, my boss's favorite aspect is essentially it is one huge calendar with divided out by team member. So it lists your members as you go down and it's a calendar view going sideways and all of their tasks show up with the start date and end date. So she can start to see, she can, she has full visibility and it pulls from all your boards, not just one. So contract views, my M&A board, any task across the entire legal department, it's going to pull that in, put it in that view. And since it goes by due date and start date, she can start to see, Hey, well, Mike's super swamped right now. He's got 10 deals he's working on. He's got five contract reviews, but it looks like on the, you know, the 5th of March, he's going to start to free up. He doesn't have anything. All these deals are finishing up now gives her complete visibility. And again, with no extra work. When you put in the task, you put in your start date and due date. And with all of those metrics, it starts to build you all these fantastic dashboards that are customizable. And so what you had said, though, Jim, when you had seen Monday.com, you kind of, can't, okay, kind of looks kind of... Come on, it was a YouTube ad for Right, God it was a sakes. YouTube ad. And I thought the same exact thing. And so I set this up over the weekend and I played with it for two days without telling anyone. But I had put in everything. I went back and I, I loaded all of our content in. Obviously, super simple. If you have it, we since we used Excel, you can import Excel and it'll put it in and try to do its best to say this column type is probably what you want, but you can obviously change those as you go. It did a really good job, pulled stuff in. So I took it to my boss and all the stuff was already in there. And she and so I started this on Saturday and finally on Tuesday I went in. And she's like, How long? I mean, I wow, this is I mean, you took our entire system and put it in this new thing and I was like, I was like, this took no time at all. Now, learning it obviously took a little bit of time, but for people, for the listeners of this show, if you're listening to this show, I guarantee you, you could have this up and running in a day. It is so drop dead easy to get going and the pricing actually isn't too bad. So the, the way they price it is, first of all, they have different levels, basic all the way up to enterprise, depending on what you want. I think if you do the free trial, you get the pro level for your trial, which we found to be the level that we needed. We needed the pro level because a lot of the stuff we were looking for, metrics, dashboards, uh, guests, things like that, we needed the pro level. And then it's just from that point, it's how many users you have. So for our team, we have four in our team currently. We're getting a fifth really soon. For uh, one to five users on the pro plan, 700 bucks a year nothing for the level of project management and metrics we are getting from this system. We could have paid probably five to 10 times that for a really advanced project management system. And this thing has been incredibly useful. And I think so if I had to break it down into some of the major benefits that you get from going to a project management tool like this, if you guys are struggling with your team to track this sort of stuff, if you don't like what you're doing, number one is visibility with the metrics. You have your metrics that are there and you have visibility on what every person in your team is up to. Number two, the built-in notifications is huge. The fact that it triggers these alerts, they call them automations. And you actually go in, it's almost like building an if this, then that. So uh, when you go in and create a notification, it has when blank happens, do this, notify this person, and you're building like this trigger, this automation into the system of what you want it to do. So completely customizable. So for our group, we said... An example is, um, you know, two days before the due date, if the status is not set to done, notify the owner of that item and say, hey, you have two days to get this done. And then on the day it's due, also some notifications say, hey, this is still not done and it's due today. You know, you, you probably need to go look at this. In the beginning, you will kind of have, it's kind of like getting an Apple Watch for the first time and you're inundated with notifications for absolutely everything. 
So we've been working on going in and tuning those to really make sure that this doesn't become noise. You don't want your notifications to be something you just get and delete. You want them to be something that you actually know I need to take action when I get this notification. So we've messed with those dates a little bit. We're wondering if we actually need the two-day one because we're starting to ignore those. Yeah, I know it's in two days. You just start to delete those. So we're really making sure those notifications are useful. And we have just loved this system. And for me personally, I think this would even be better. I brought this... So (laughs) since I broke the rule, Jim, I I didn't talk to IT. I didn't talk to project management. I didn't even talk to finance. (laughs) I, when I took this to my boss, she's like, well, okay, let's just, let's take it to them and, you know, see what they think. So I met with one of the project managers and what his job was is to make sure that I wasn't duplicating before we paid for $700 for a year. He said, let's just make sure we're not duplicating something that we already have. And he looked through it and he was like, this is insanely cool. He was, I love it. He was, we have nothing like this. And he goes, and we have a pre, we have a very advanced tech stack at our firm, uh, but a lot of it is client based, right? Making everything for our, we're a wealth advisor firm, so making our clients have the best tech stack. Uh, but we, you know, we have Microsoft Teams, we have all of that, we have Asana, I think is another one of these project management tools. Nothing that got this complex, and I think this could be scaled to the entire company. You can divide it out into departments, you can divide it out into teams, however you want to do it. But even just for one team. I think it is completely worth it. And even beyond your user count, you can also share your boards with external people or even internal to your company, but people you don't want to pay for. Hey, I don't need someone to have access to create their own boards and to view dashboards. I just need them to be able to see stuff. So for example, this is for our M&A team or for our legal team, the head of our M&A department who I work with almost all the time, I gave him access to my M&A board and now he can go in and he can even add comments in or he can see where I'm because I'm every time I do something, I'm putting the comment in the comment section. And that's the part I wish I could show you is, is how they're, they call it a conversation, really works per line item. It's extremely cool. Essentially just a chat that has exactly what day and you can just add stuff to this rolling chat. So he goes into my M&A item and he says, oh, you know, Mike just sent that to opposing counsel today and he can see the live updates without reaching out to me via emails. The amount of emails we have saved from this system is phenomenal. I have, I've, I've really enjoyed it, Jim. I, I obviously, you know, I just rambled about it because I've been super excited. I just, I sit in here. I've never worked so much because I love playing in the system. I'll come home at night and I'll just mess with the dashboard. I'm like, man, what more metrics could we do? Oh, I bet we could use a metric for this or we could make it better with this. And they do have integrations that they're working with. So we're a big Salesforce shop. So that was the only hesitancy uh, our project manager had was, hey, you know, we really want to get, because the legal department, we haven't historically been a big part of Salesforce. We didn't have a need for it. But he's like, if we could get some of this with Salesforce and integrate a little bit, that would be great. So their integrations, uh, they have some of the typical ones, right? Like Slack, Gmail, Shopify, Dropbox, things like that. But Salesforce is coming as a future integration. We did check into that. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that integration does work but they do have some built in. That is, that is surprising. They don't have Salesforce. That's a big, I mean, that's a big system. It so is. It just yeah. must take some, it, make, it must take some additional. Yep. It's on their coming soon list. Yeah. So that one is. Yeah. Did you ever look soon. at Trello? Trello was the sexy sister, you know, I don't know, two, three, four years ago. It, it, Trello is also coming. Yeah. Coming soon. Okay. Well, but that's another management. That's another project management system. Oh, is it? Okay. That was really hot. Yeah. Three, four years ago, everybody was, it was free. Everybody was using Trello. Do you have Trello boards? Are you using Trello? I actually set up a um, podcast uh, Trello board. The thought would be, no, so think of your boards and then each task would be a show and we would put the show notes in the the show, including the links. So a project, a show is a project and you can put everything there and then we can make that public so people could go in there and look at the links. So instead of going to the show notes, they could go exactly. to the show. And I had thought through that shoot. I can't even get a. I can't even get a uh, WordPress calendar updated on a regular basis, much less a project management tool. But um, interesting, Mike. Well, um, did they give you an instant raise? They were like, "You're the best ever, Mike. You are now head of council." Well, I, I did. I had just gotten promoted, so I figured I needed to earn my promotion. Boom. Right. So Boom. this was a oh, promotion in the next week. But Chris did ask, you know, learning curve on this, yeah. how high, uh, and actually his uh, communications person is considering money.com. Learning curve is extremely low. I mean, this thing is so easy to use. If you have ever used Excel, if you in if you've done database, you're golden. But if you ever, there is no, I mean, 
no code needed, no development, nothing. You could have any one of us that listens to the show could get in there and set it up for their entire department. It is so intuitive. It'll take you a few hours just to kind of get used to it and see. But the best part is you keep learning new little things that it has. Like, oh, that's a cool feature. And you find those as you go. So it might take you a little bit, but I mean, just the easiest system to get used to. Cool. You don't hear that very often. Like, you know, you see these tools come up and they get they get super hot. It'll be interesting to see how long this one. I mean, it sounds you're giving it rave reviews, so it sounds like it could it could have some legs. Um, there was a point in time where there were so many of these kinds of systems coming out, and it was just like whatever was hot. That was the Slack era, right? There was Slack, oh yeah, and then there was all these different ways to communicate and, and, uh, you know, there still are a bunch of of these project management tools out there, but, but this one seems to be cool. Seems to be pretty decent. I like it. And and to be honest, uh, the, what did it for me, what convinced me that this is actually cool. Of course, we're going to think this is cool. And when you, when you build it, you think it's cool. I, in my department today, I think about all day, one of each of our uh, team members screens was full-time money.com. They are looking at it constantly. It's up all the time on one monitor. They're working, going back, making an update, coming back, you know, doing stuff. And so it is, it's live. They're actually using it. And I did not know what the adoption would be with this team. Mm -hmm. I was kind of worried about it was, is this going to turn into another, you know, trying to use our SharePoint and no one's going to go in and use it. And it's so easy, so intuitive and just so fun to use. And because you have those metrics that are live viewing, everyone loves to put in their time, say I sent it and then go check how they affected the dashboard. Oh, hey, I brought that on the dashboard by point one. You know, like our average turnaround time came down just because I just did that one. And it's it's almost yeah. like gamifying no, right our, on. our work. And right on. Yeah. And there is so we've been we've been working on a project that needed I needed people in the organization to do these responses. And it was pretty mindless and it was pretty boring, just to be honest. And so we kind of made a game out of it of who can do more. And we put a leaderboard up and like the work wasn't as important to them as being on the leaderboard. And so, you know, when you, when you get, sometimes when you get some of these mindless things, you got to kind of turn them into a game or get some good incentives behind them and just, <laughs> just leading. Hey, speaking of that, I challenged you on the Apple watch to a, to a challenge. And I think I solidly beat you by the way, the activity challenge. I'm pretty sure I, I, w- I was going to bring that up. Yeah. I think like, I solidly beat you. Just was saying. it pretty solid? Well, I thought it was pretty close. A couple hundred points, maybe. So I think the last day I caught up a little bit. Yeah, you did. But, you, but yeah, definitely heroic, by a couple hundred you, points. So I started another one with you that'll start tomorrow. Okay. Did um, I agree? Did I agree? Because it was to hard it? last. Night. I don't think so. I haven't okay. had my watch on since so I just yeah, uh, I was up here. Mine's the charging right now. But the the interesting part about that was I was all excited to challenge you, and then we got all that snow, and my gym closed like the mornings. I was texting. I was like, because I have to work out in the morning. I have, there's no other time with the kids. Right. And. uh the gym's like, oh, we're canceling our morning class. I'm like, no, that, I'm going to lose the gym if I can't get there. And then I, I, I knew the I knew you weren't going in, so I just poured it on that day. I was just yeah. like, I know this is going to suck tomorrow, but I am going to kick Uyghurs. I think watch. we should do it every week and tell people wh- yeah. who won each week. I think that'd be a pretty can, fun. Can, how do we get more people? Like if we want to, because I was doing this on Fitbit, but then now I'm yeah. off Fitbit. And it's, it's only so one V one. I, okay. I bet they'll come out with groups. Uh, I bet okay. they will. But right now, if yeah. you add them in the activity app, then you can challenge them to a challenge. So if you, if people want to add us, if you guys are, uh, if you guys are avid Apple watch users and you have the activity, definitely go ahead and, and reach out to us. We'll get you hooked up and we can do some challenges. I would no, love I'm, that. I'm beating you today. 813 calories to eight. No, I'm losing. Uh, you have 867. I have 813. So we're close. I didn't mean today was a, today. today was only a lifting day. So yeah, that's I why mine's not too high. Cause it was just a, Tuesday, Thursdays, Saturdays are, are my lifting days. So tomorrow yeah. I'm going to blow you out of the water. But like, I didn't get a notification that I beat you. Oh, I like, did. Did you? And if you go to our, if you click on me and you scroll down, you'll see the badge and you'll see you, you're up one to zero. Okay. Oh, I do see that. Yep. So you're up one zero to me. Okay. So then it All keeps right. track as we go of who the leaderboard, who's winning. I like it. Yeah. I like it. A lot. it. It did get me thinking this week. I'm like, that's what I, it did for me too. I was on the treadmill and I'm like, oh, Uyghur's working out or I got to get, I got to get the, get ahead for the, 
for the day. So no, super cool. Yeah, my well, dad messaged me. He's like, hey, can I, how do I turn this off? Because it really just depresses me because by the time I wake up, you've already been to the gym and it notifies me that you, Mike, finished a workout. And I'm like, yeah, I'll turn that off for maybe you. Maybe you should tell your dad to get into the gym or something. Yeah, like right. That. Come yeah. with me, man. I'll, I'll pick you up. Super cool. Well, we'll track that, that Monday.com. I was just surprised uh, last week when you mentioned it. I was like, seriously, dude, that's a YouTube commercial. But, it is, but it's, okay. a, it's a valuable one. And hey, okay. the, the YouTube commercial got me into it. Yeah, no, super cool. Um, let me give a little a quick update on my home server stuff. It's been a couple, three, four weeks. You know, sometimes we talk about these things uh, in the very beginning. We're super excited. And then we never come back. And we're like, eh, you know, you never really know. You, you tried out a product. Uh, I listen to somebody who does this all the time. And they've been using it for a day. I, I think we've probably even done it too. You use it for a day and you're like, yeah, I got this really cool tool. And then like a day is not enough, right? And yeah. so it's kind of kind of fun to get back. I, I mentioned that I had set up a new home server, Windows 10 home server using the N40L. And I got some feedback from you on that via Twitter. Uh, some folks sent me some pictures of their Gen 8 or N40L or N56, uh, all those kinds of things. Uh, still great little server, working great. Windows 10 runs well on it. And I had used that FreeSync Mike uh, on there. And I, I said, you know, it kind of sounds, you know, uh, like, Scammy. yeah, I, yeah, it has been everything except that. Uh, it has been really great for me. And um, there was always sync and sync toy and a few of those other ones that had kind of popped up for usage on that sync back free is the full name of that. It's a really lame name and it, it just seems like it shouldn't work. Setting up a sync has been super easy and it's worked really, really well. And so I've been backing up. Uh, I've been coming off the Moro data box because that's the one that uses uh, Backblaze B2. Uh, it doesn't keep the file there necessarily. It's got a shadow copy of it. It keeps up to about 800 gig worth of data. And then anything over that, it just ships it to the B2, puts a little, uh, little placeholder on there. Uh, and it's really in just one, one place. It was on B2, right? So Kyle kind of convicted me of that. So we've been, I've been slowly over the week to make sure I don't crush my band, my band with cap. I've been, uh, moving things or copying them over onto the home server. I have four one terabyte drives on there using stable bit drive pool, which is fantastic. Love that. Own three copies of it. That thing works rock solid every single time. Sends me notifications. It's been great on the on the Bitcoin side or on the burst side, if I pull a drive out or a drive stop working, it gives me a notification. I don't even have them in a pool. I mean, I have them in the pool, but I'm not using them that way. I'm only using them for notifications, which is pretty cool. And um, so every time a drive goes down or I lose a drive or whatever, which I'll talk about that here in just a second, uh, it sends me a note, which is kind of cool. I can come home and go, oh, I better look at this drive that's there. And then recently I've been taking some of the smaller drives away from burst moving them back into the Drobo and then been copying from the home server over to the Drobo and just using the Drobo as it's the third place to have it backed up. So I've got two here different, different on different devices, one in the cloud and a, and a third kind of sort of on the Moro data box and uh, feeling a little more confident about some of my backup routine. So that has been working well, uh, that tool free sync back. Uh, if you, it, or sync back free, sorry, sync back free. If you're looking for a sync tool, super easy, super free. It does everything I needed to do, whether that's a copy or a sync or a backup, does those all and, um, and does it pretty well and does those parts for free. You can buy the premium if you want to do it that way, but um, that's been a cool little uh, tool I have found. Mike, some of the fun part though has been getting these servers kind of set back up loaded you know i taken i taken a bunch of the drives out to do burst and um so because of that so i pulled i don't know i guess i pulled probably four terabytes down and i moved some of the drives over that left some open spaces in my burst box so in the crypto in the post show the crypto, fill them. <laughs> well they can't sit empty no right so in the crypto post show we'll talk a little bit about what we're what we're doing there i won't uh, won't bore you um with that one but in the process, you remember I bought all those Seagate drives. Yeah. And I'm down to six. And I was getting, I've been getting some errors on the one uh, through the burst box. Uh, come home in the afternoon and it would say it couldn't see certain, a certain number of nonces that was on that drive. And it was the same place every time. 
And I'd unplug it and plug it back in and it would work for another 24 hours. And then I'd come back home from work every day. I moved it around. I tried it on different ports. I put it on a different PC. <laughs> just like, okay. Uh, it failed on e everywhere. It failed within, oh, I don't know. You know, anywhere from three to 24 hours. So since they're Seagate drives, head out to get grab the C tools, which is a super old, like, I'd kind of forgotten about C-Tools, right? That is kind of their um, hard drive diagnostic tool. And they have a bunch of, you can run a smart test. They have a short diagnostic. They have a long diagnostic. So um, pulled that down and installed it. Ran it on that drive. And it immediately failed on the short one. It was like, um, you might want to run the long one. <laughs> that was the, that was the, the test is like, hey, this failed. You're going to the go, advice they gave you. Yeah. Oh, go, go run the long test. So ran the long test, got a fail code saying that there's a sector on that. There's some sectors on the drive that's that are not necessarily stable. They're right. there. They're not there. It's like, so it failed. It gave me an error code. And I was able to go into the Seagate website in, in just a couple clicks, create an RMA and then purchase that two day overnight or two day next day. I guess that was two day, next day, whatever that is. And I did that Tuesday and it showed up today. So I got a replacement drive. It's sitting there. I'm gonna have to replot it, unfortunately. But uh, we'll replot it, send the old one back and uh, 15 bucks. It worked. Like Seagate doesn't have the best reputation for drives. Let's just put it that way. But they if their RMA process is that good. Holy cow. Yeah, that was, it was slick. How slick and smooth. you say from beginning to end or RMA? Uh, three days. No, I mean the process of actually submitting the RMA. Well, I submitted it. Uh, I submitted it. Took nine, like a few minutes. Two, you know, oh, the yeah, website. Yeah. Five minutes. Okay. That's what yeah, I was wondering. Five. It took Sometimes me longer. It took me to run. It took me longer to run the, the long test, right, on the thing than it did. It took me to fill out the RMA. So um, very, very slick, kind of no questions asked. I bought that you could, for 11 bucks, you could just do the standard shipping. They'd ship one out to you. You just swap them. Put it back in the box. They have a return label. You're going to pay that in shipping anyways to get that thing back. It's just right. super convenient to have it done that way. I the two day the two day shipping I bought for fifteen. Just yeah. Again, I've done this with Western Digital. Uh, great Seagate was a great experience. So we're going to replot it. I'll send the other one back here. I'm gonna. I'm probably going to hold it on. I'm going to look and see how long I have because. It gives me an extra ter an extra eight terabytes to to uh, to mine with uh, until it absolutely get, it just have to keep unplugging it and plugging it back in. That was getting a little annoying. Yeah. Um, so I'll have to send that thing back. So pretty um, pretty great through the whole process. Uh, again, we'll talk a little about this about more in the crypto. But I started doing some price calculations now on like where's the sweet spot for drives. Like if you were buying drives in Internet right now, price per gig. And I think I've settled in a four, four, the four terabyte drives that uh, like HGST, you know, those, those kinds of drives you get on eBay, 60 bucks. Um, that's, a, that's, that's probably the best pricing I'm seeing right now. I think four, it was three terabytes last year when I was doing this, they were in the sweet spot. Four was still pretty expensive. Three was pretty sweet. We've moved now to four at 60. I can buy those all day long at 60. And I swear, I just got a drive yesterday. I bought it 60 bucks on eBay, filling this thing up. <laughs> and it's so stupid. And um, I swear it came in a new package. Like, I'm not sure this four terabyte drive has ever been used. It's dated 2013. It's, it's when it was made. I think it's probably been sitting somewhere. It's like you hit the, the eBay jackpot. Sometimes that, you know, I agree that happens. It says used. But the packaging looks exactly like you would see what you'd expect in a new from a new package. Now, could they own a machine where it goes in the bag yeah, and they probably. seal it? It's probably they, one of those resellers, right, where they're yeah. pretty professional about it. Super pro. I mean, like yeah. a like a really good packaging. And it, I pulled it out. Not no fingerprints on it. Not like it had been somewhere. You know, it was just one of those kind of things. You're like, I mean, I don't know if it's new or not, but uh, pretty great experience. And so. If you're, if I think, if you're in the market right now for drives or you need to replace some, I think, you know, again, I'm paying 60 bucks. There are 100 and anywhere from 100 to 120 new if you're going to buy, buy it from Best Buy or buy it on Amazon or any, any of those kinds of things. 100 to 120 is kind of what you'd expect to pay for a new 
four terabyte drive. If you're going to go red, you're going to pay even a little bit more probably for those. Uh, not bad. Uh, if you're, if you're going, I totally agree. At least for my unraid box, I found the same exact thing. I've been filling it up with four terabyte drives. If I need a new one, that's what I've been going with. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um, Ron says, uh, sounds like a refurb. It absolutely could be, could, it, it could absolutely be a refurb. Um, so that's a very, that's a very, uh, good possibility. Comes with a one-year warranty. You could buy an extended stuff from eBay. I'm not going to for 60 bucks. No, 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 not, not gonna. So, and I don't care. Um, I'm not thinking it's new. I do think there's possibilities of these vendors. Like this stuff has been sitting somewhere and never used in a, you know, uh, in a shop and they're just trying to get rid of these things. And I think and I, every, every once in a while you find them. And I think to, to kind of to clarify for, I think for the home user, it's a sweet spot, right? Yeah, no, totally. So, because yeah. I had just made a great point for terabyte, you know, not high enough density. True. Right. Probably for some corporate environments, doesn't make any sense for them no. to buy four terabyte drives. They're filling up a spot. They, but for the home user for, you know, cost wise, four terabytes, not bad. And we talked about this a while ago. You know, some of us are really trying to store a bunch of stuff, but for for a lot of people, they're storing less now because a lot of it's in the cloud. Four terabytes is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. For the average consumer, you know, four four by four, you're talking uh, on those drives. You know, two hundred and forty bucks for sixteen terabytes, and fairly redundant if you threw that in a Drobo or a Synology or a QNAP or a Unraid. Yeah, or Unraid. By the way, Unraid's coming on the program here in a couple of weeks, so you might want. I think I'm so excited the 14th. for the fourteenth. Is that what I said? The 14th? Yeah. Thanks to Tony. He was um, the one who got that conversation going on Twitter. And then they reached out to me and we got it yeah. all set up. Yeah. Next week, Aaron, Aaron Lawrence is in here next week. So come back. Mike will be out. Aaron will be in. She'll be covering a bunch of the stuff she's been covering on her page. Unraid the week after. We'll have them in 30, 45 minutes. Uh, and and we've they, they're, they've been like, hey, what are you going to ask us? <laughs> like, guys, it'll be easy. Just relax. It'll be fine. Right. So they're coming on. Rich Hay uh, will be the week after that. I'm sure we'll be talking about the Windows stuff that's coming up. He'll just be coming back from the MVP Summit. And uh, and then we take a week off, 4-4. I'm in New Orleans for a Omaha STEM conference that we're going out there, or I'm representing the Omaha STEM ecosystem. And so we'll be off on 4-4. And so those are the next um, four weeks. Mike, anything I missed? No. Right in an hour. Right in an hour, right? <laughs> it's like we planned it that way. A couple reminders as we close out. We will do some crypto in the post. I, I actually had an email uh, yesterday, and they were like, hey, we haven't seen a crypto show in Patreon in a while. And I think I'd missed 398. Um, uh, we made it. No, 398 would be right. 389 would be the one I'm thinking of. We had made it, and then I never posted it to Patreon. So I was like, oh, hey, there's one. You're right. We skipped two weeks. We didn't do any with the when Dwayne was here. We didn't do any when Sarah was here. So no crypto in the post show. But a good reminder, we'll stay around if you're in the live uh, or if you're listening live, stay around for crypto. If you haven't done that, head out to the Patreon group, the supporters, uh, theaverageguy.tv slash Patreon. All the crypto shows are there. You don't have to even support us in any way. They're just available and free. Just head out to Patreon. Check it out. Theaverageguy.tv slash Patreon will get you there. Brand new as of last week, a brand new Discord group. And uh, if you're, you guys beg me for Discord. They're like, come on, do a Discord. Okay, it's out there. So now do something with it. If you did go we to put the it in the Facebook group? Say it again. Did we post that in the Facebook group? I, I did. Did we? Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's where I found out about it. I think you posted show it. Show notes, and it's been in the show notes. Uh, it's super easy to find, though. The average guy.tv slash Discord will get you in there. So, Super easy to get in, and uh, we'll let you in. And let's keep it uh, let's keep it average guy out there. And and when I say that, when I say that, I mean nice. So let's not screw it up. And many of you won't. So uh, pretty good. I've been posting a few things, but certainly uh, dependent on what you guys post, the average guy TV slash Discord. I couldn't make it any easier for you. Send me an email. I love it when I get emails from you guys. Jim at the average guy TV. Find me on Twitter at Jay Collison. Join the Facebook group, like Mike mentioned, facebook.com slash group slash the average guy. Love to have you do that. Don't forget the average guy.tv platform, both web and media hosting powered by Maple Grove Partners. By the way, Christian and I are back on Cyber Frontiers, so get over and listen to those. Get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people that you know and trust. For more information, visit maplegrovepartners.com. 
I was on the line with Dave Jackson the other day. You know, I podcast with him on Saturday mornings, ask the podcast coach. And uh, he was really frustrated with his um, hosting provider. And I said, Dave, how many times do I have to say Maple Grove Partners to you before you just do the right thing? Christian would think, I, listen, I would I would have reached some kind of godlike status if I ever got Dave Jackson to actually go on Maple Grove Partners. Christian has been wanting him over there because um, he has a lot of influence. And Christian's not trying to make money off this hosting, by the way. I mean, he does. They're trying to but pay he would for be, the I mean, it would be perfect because oh, his yeah. services, you can't yeah, beat it. No, no. I think once Dave got on there, he... It's a little tough for people to go on a small town, you know, host provider. And you're like, what's well, two guys in a basement, literally. But man, that stuff is just rock solid. So check out, check it out. MapleGrovePartners.com, particularly good at hosting podcasts. So if you haven't, uh, if you're doing that and you're looking for something different, head over there as well. Don't forget, you can download us on the mobile app, HomeGadgetGeeks.com. Another way to get that done. The swag store is open, although I just have the t-shirts. I never got Addy. I think she got busy and we never got it done. I may jump in there and try and get a design. Or if you want to make a Home Gadget Geeks 2019 design for me, if you're into that and you want to send that in to me, make it, send it. I need it in the next couple of weeks. So I need it pretty quick here. Theaverageguy.tv. Send it to Jim at theaverageguy.tv and we'll consider that for maybe the 2019. I want to get hoodies going. I was a little late. I guess they're still okay for spring. Was going to try and put some hoodies together, a long sleeve, and some and some tees for the summer. So if you got to, if you're into that design thing, I I promise you I won't take everybody's design, but the really good ones, or maybe we'll vote on them. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But if you're into that design thing, send them to me, Jim at theaverageguy.tv, um, and we'll get it done. Well, Mike, uh, my daughter's home for the weekend, which means that we had to bump up the HelloFresh. <laughs> <laughs> had to figure out a way to get that. Uh, I, I knew we weren't going to get out without talking. No, about I it. missed it last week. It's been so great. We did a. We did. By the way, thanks to everyone who participated in the Pampered Chef party. So, you know, I have this friend at work, and she does Pampered Chef, and she'd been so good to us. I ran a party. It actually worked really, really well. Just to do, I didn't even. I listen. I never sold anybody. I let her. We had a group. I put it in the Facebook group once. I mentioned it a time or two here. Many of you purchased through it. I appreciate you doing that. That was super great. We got a pizza stone and a whole bunch of gadgets that Sarah was super excited. I should have brought one of those down. We got like this double cutter, right? It's got two. It's like a, think of a scissors, but it has two ends on it. And if you were chopping meat, you know, you could, you know, if you were shredding meat, it shreds it super fast and uh, all kinds of great stuff. So uh, a success on Pepper Chef and appreciate you guys. Still have plenty of those codes if you want to give it a try. And uh, I appreciate it. You heard the story. I think I just, one of my favorite things to do is now come home and cook those things. It's just a ton of fun. Getting better at cooking. So give it a try. Uh, let me know. Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv if you want. Um, if you want a code. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at TheAverageGuy.tv slash live. We'll do a little bit of post-show crypto. We're back with crypto. Stay around. Don't go anywhere. Don't leave. Or go listen to the freaking crypto page over there. Go to go listen to it. With that, we'll say goodbye.